Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie, featuring your hosts, Forbes Riley and Charlie Fusco. In our program, you'll receive the tools you need to live a healthy and successful life, not to mention a fun one. Now, here are your hosts, Forbes Riley and Charlie. And welcome to this week's edition of The Good Life. I'm Charlie Fusco, and somewhere in cyberspace is Forbes Riley. Oh, hey, I am here in Tampa. It is beautiful. It's sunny. And you know what, Charlie? We went boating this weekend. And we're all sitting on the boat thinking, it's January and I'm wearing a T-shirt. Thank you, Florida. Well, you know, I I just spent a couple of uh, days with you a couple weeks ago. So I know what you're talking about. I came home. I told my kids all about it. And so now every day when we wake up, it's like, when are we visiting Forbes? That's oh, all they want I to know. love that. We're happy to have you. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's all they think is Forbes is a fantastic, sunny lifestyle. And um, so it's excellent. But okay, I have to share something funny about sunny lifestyles. So I just came back from California. And while I was there, one of the people that I got to work out with was the one and only Richard Simmons. Oh, my. We're going to get as a guest on our show. Love that uh, guy. Do you know that he teaches, you can, for $15, you can go to his class in Beverly Hills and get an amazing workout. He's there in his red fishnets or in his, what was the other outfit? It was kind of leftover curtains from a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> um, yes, and but here's the thing, Charlie, he's 63 years old, and for an hour, he teached, he preached, he cried, he loved, he is so passionate. I am, my whole thinking about how you need to live your life every day is so inspired because of actually meeting and working with him. You know, he must have just been an inspirational person to work with. I can't even imagine. I only know him from television. But, I mean, the two of you in a room, I'm surprised you didn't spontaneously combust. Well, you know, I think that actually might have happened. My hair is a little singed on one side. Um, but, what you know, it's funny because you expect it when you see a TV personality to turn it on when the cameras are there. There's 40 people in the room, and he gave it his all. And that's one of the lessons that I'm going to kind of start this show with is that when you dive into something, give it your heart and soul. Don't pretend to do it. Do what you love and do it to the fullest. Absolutely agreed. And, you know, one of the things that I think we all give our heart and soul to is parenting. And, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we do. We give everything we are, and we're so passionate about parenting, and then we're so protective about it. And I wonder sometimes if we're too protective in terms of getting information that might make us better parents. And I want to share something with our audience. Um, some of you follow The Good Life on Facebook, and a lot of our listeners follow you and I personally on our personal Facebook pages. And I, I post about my children a lot. You know, and my son is very funny, and he did something the other day at school that actually warranted the teacher talking to him. And I posted about it. Basically, what he was the assignment was draw a snowman. The kids drew sports themed snowmen and police snowmen and sheriff snowmen and things. And my son, my quirky little son, drew Julius Caesar the snowman with a hole in his stomach from where Brutus threw a burning, flaming snowball. Oh my gosh. I thought 
gosh, he's so smart and intelligent. I mean, he knows who Julius Caesar is and Brutus. And I thought this was the funniest thing until he says, well, mom, the teacher pulled me aside and told me that I was being distant from the other children and I should consider drawing more modern snowmen like they did. And I said, well, Jake, did she give you a bad grade? He goes, no, it wasn't really for a grade. It got put up on the wall from our snowman wall. And I said, well, did she tell you that you had to do that? He goes, no, she was telling me that I was very distant and that the other kids in class wouldn't know who Julius Caesar was and I should consider drawing pictures that they would understand because they may not understand them and therefore I might get treated badly. So I posted this little quip on my Facebook page and it erupted this huge flurry of comments for his parents all pretty much telling me the same thing. The parent that the teacher had no right to talk to my child that way and that I should march into school and I should tell the teacher what I thought and make sure that she never tells another kid to stick his creativity where, you know, they don't want it. And I found myself going, gosh, I just thought it was a funny little story about a burning snowman. And I wouldn't go in and talk to the teacher because I don't think she did anything wrong. I think she was kind of advising him like, hey, dude, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb and it is fifth grade. Do you really need the publicity? And my son could take it or leave it. But I got a lot of people going, no, no, no. She's she's choking your son's artistic ability. Well, you know, if you were a helicopter pilot, you would have been jumping all over her because you would have been one of those women who stands up for their kids at all costs. What did you do, ultimately? Right. Ultimately, I didn't do anything except come up with this idea for this show. Because I wonder, maybe I'm not a helicopter parent, but am I a negligent parent? Should have. I have gone in and said something to the teacher. So we're going to be interviewing all types of experts on today's program on this topic of helicopter parenting, overprotective parenting, prepping your children. But to start the show off, I wanted to take a caller of um, a parent who has some children that she's raising and and get her perspective first as we lead into these other guests. So let me welcome Kim Ryman to the program. Kim, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm confused. I'm I on the brink. You, I, I'm laughing. You're telling that story, and I was saying I would have done the same thing. You would have, because like I just wanted to give him a little prize for the little snowman that was burning. But every parent was like, "No, no, 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 no. You need to go and talk to this teacher." Now you're a parent of two. You have a, a, a two daughters, Becky and Sammy. Yes. So tell me, how, what kind of problems are they going through, and when do you get involved? I like to say that Becky's fully cooked. She graduated high school, and we sent her off, and Sammy's almost done. <laughs> um, in high school. So, Mine are still gushy in the middle. Yeah. Um, I, when they were younger, when they were in elementary school, if there were issues, and not so much an issue with the teacher, but with kids or with their grades, I would naturally get involved. But once they got into middle school, I wanted them to start becoming a little more independent and learning how to handle life problems on their own. And my favorite story, because Becky kind of got that. She's always been very independent. She's the oldest child, and it, it's never really been an issue. But, but Sammy likes to have things done for her, or used to like to have things done for her, I should say. So when, when she first came home and she was in sixth grade and she had an issue with a teacher, and it wasn't an issue with a teacher like a personality. She just didn't get as good a grade as she'd hoped to get on a, on a paper or a project or something. And I said to her, well, you need to go speak to your teacher and find out, you know, what you did wrong and make sure you understand the material and how you can better do it the next time. And she kind of hemmed and hawed and she really wasn't crazy about it. And I'm like, no, no, that's what you need to do. And the next day the teacher called me and I'm like, you know, hello. And she goes, hi, this is Mrs. So-and-so. Sammy said you wanted to speak to me. And I said, no. The point wasn't to have Sammy have you call me. It was for Sammy to talk to you to learn how to handle these problems. And that's what, you know, eventually she 
got the gist of it and, and started doing it. So I guess I think one problem is recognizing when it's something a parent needs to get involved with. Yeah, um, this is and what the other issue is making sure, that, you know, so one is knowing when you have to get involved and, and the other is knowing when they're old enough as, as a person and mature enough to start handling these things on their own. Okay, so I want to know that. You've got one that's cooked and out of the house. What's an example like one of the most annoying parents that you remember? I know a parent who followed the school bus to school every day in her car. I thought that was pretty, you know. That's pretty, pretty annoying. You know, I that's mean, crazy. At some point, you gotta let your kids go. I mean, there's gosh, there's so many examples of it. I know parents when their kids get in trouble, rather than you know talking to the to the child and and trying to make the child behave better or making the child understand what they did wrong, blame it on every other you know. The, the school shouldn't have handled it this way, and they shouldn't have treated them like this, and they shouldn't have. And sometimes it's about just teaching them personal responsibility. I think the ones that annoy me most are the ones that that make excuses for their kids' poor behavior rather than. Well, you know, and I and I wonder about that sometimes, Kim, because one of the reasons I didn't talk to my son's school was because there wasn't a grade at stake. If if she had given him a an F because he drew a Julius Caesar snowman, then I would have had issue and said, "Hey, your directions weren't clear enough, or you know, you're judging that." But she didn't. She just said, "Hey." You, you're going to get stand out and, and you may not like that. But now, Kat, now wait, you know what, Charlie, I got to out you a little bit. What kind of school does your son go to? He goes to a Catholic school. Aha. See, now there's another layer. It is. And I should point out that my son is a little odd and he does argue with the teacher over, you know, are the Greek gods real and things. But I think life in some part is learning how to play by the rules, whether you set them or not. Yeah, but why is that odd? I adore your son. I think he's, a leader and he thinks outside the box. That's right. not odd. But I sometimes that was great. I I appreciate what the teacher's trying to do. I think a lot of the teachers today are conditioned to prevent bullying in their classroom. And so because of that they want the kids to conform. Right. And and so I think she was just kind of giving him a heads up. I agree with that. And that's what I kinda of said to him. I said, Listen, you know what? You keep drawing that snowman, but what she's telling you is it's gonna draw attention to yourself and if you're cool with that attention, great. If you're not, then consider what she said. And so I, in that case, I kind of let him handle it because I thought, gosh, if he can't handle that comment in a safe, protected environment like a classroom, what's he going to do when he gets out of my range where I can't even see him? And another controversial thing I do, Kim, and since you've got one out of the oven, you can you can tell me. I'm really trying to figure out if I'm a you know negligent parent. But my daughter, youngest daughter, just turned six, and so at the age of five, I lose my children on purpose in stores. Um, and because I want to see if they can find me. And so I lose them and then I, you know, follow them where they can't find me. And I want to know, do they go and ask customer service? Do they freak out and start crying? Do they wander away with a stranger? And I watch them the whole time, but I make them panic like they've lost me because in my head I'm going, I'd rather lose them on purpose and see how they react than figure out how they react when I've lost them on accident. That's really good. I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> That's okay. They're wishing that Charlie was not necessarily their mom. When my mom loses me again. Hey, right. Well, <laughs> not again. And that's the thing. We all wonder, I mean, are we doing what's best for them and how much are we going to have to pay in therapy years from now because we did something that maybe wasn't good for them. But I think you have to, the, the whole goal, you know, people are going, oh, my baby's leaving. We're going to have an empty nest. And my, my point is that's what's supposed to happen. That's the goal is to, 
send them off into the world and be, you know, happy functioning adults. Well, and, and Charlie, well, you know what? I had my I had my twins at 42. So my thought is, and it's my personal philosophy, is that by the time they can drive, I'm going to be so old, I just won't care. <laughs> there is no evidence. <laughs> They're ready to leave. I'm like 60. I'm like, go. I'm tired already. Get out of the house. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, as you can see, Forbes, we've got a lot to cover on this. Uh, this these segments coming up. Uh, we've got Dr. Foster Klein coming up, who actually was the person responsible for coining helicopter parent. We've got um, other doctors that are going to talk to us about why middle class Americas are raising sort of unequal children. We've got uh, a person that says that the workplace is developing new ways to deal with helicopter parents. We've got more parents calling in. In this break, I want everyone to go to babyzone.com. There's a quiz there that'll tell you if you are a helicopter parent. We've got more coming up here on The Good Life, so stay with us. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're one of the millions of people who have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or are overweight, don't join the club. It's time to leave that club. Heart Factors Plus is an all-natural supplement with ingredients proven to help lower blood pressure, cholesterol, improve blood flow, and even improve your sex life. Here is what Heart Factors users say. Hi, this is John from New Jersey, and I'm 42 years old, and I ordered your bottle of Heart Factors because of my high blood pressure. Last spring, it was 134 over 93. Now my blood pressure is 120 over 82, and the doctor got me off the medication. This stuff is really good and without any side effects. John dropped his blood pressure over 10 points and without the medication side effects. See if Heart Factors will work for you. Try it now free for a full 30 days. Call 800-240-6536. 800-240-6536. If Heart Factors doesn't work for you, you never pay. It's that easy. Call now and get your 30-day trial. 800-240-6536. 800-240-6536. Ladies, if you are worried about fine lines and wrinkles on your face and would like to get rid of them, then let me tell you about Esotique, the amazing all-natural collagen builder from Chamonix. Esotique is packed with pure antioxidants and natural collagen builders, so it doesn't hide wrinkles like other products. It effectively treats wrinkles, so your skin will be younger, healthier, and softer than ever before. And now is the perfect time to try Esotique, because for a limited time, you can try it free for 30 days. That's right, this incredible skincare is yours to try free at home for a whole month. Call 800-731-1085, 800-731-1085, and just pay shipping today. But wait, call in the next 20 minutes and Chamonix will include not one, but two free gifts. You will get their amazing vitamin C serum and their luxurious neck treatment absolutely free with your order. Don't miss out on this incredible free trial offer. Call now, 800-731-1085. 800-731-1085. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie, where you receive a healthy dose of information you need with some fun. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Good Life. I'm Charlie Fusco, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Forbes Riley. 
and Forbes, I think after the first uh, segment, I'm positive that we're creating a commotion on this week's show because it's impossible to even interview our guests and our callers without having an opinion. And when you have an opinion about what it is to be a parent, uh, it gets you in a lot of hot water sometimes. It's why I'm not allowed at the PTA. You're not? No. I'm not allowed at the PTA. Um, one of the, the reasons for, for listeners that missed this um, topic, why we even did a, a topic called helicopter parenting, is because on my Facebook page, which a lot of people you know comment and follow, I always post things about my kids. And I had posted something about my son and an issue that he had with a teacher. And I thought it was just funny, so I posted it. But it ended up in this long stream of um, comments where people were telling me, go get in front of the teacher's face and tell that teacher what you think and tell them how they should teach your child. And I actually didn't think that that was the appropriate response. And so I said, gosh, is, is you know, that what we've become is this, you know, a society of helicopter parenting. So of course our fantastic production crew went and found the gentleman, the doctor who coined this term helicopter parent. Uh, we have him on the line, Dr. Foster Klein. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I'm, I'm great. Great. Oh, I'm very excited to have you on the program today. We've got a lot to dis uh, to discuss. I want to keep everyone on the uh, listening, knowing that we have a free book uh, that Dr. Klein is giving out today: Parenting with Love and Logic, and Parenting Teens with Love and Logic. Um, so that's going to be given away to a listener as they do something on our Facebook page. So listen up for that. Now, Dr. Klein, you're a psychiatrist, a physician, and an author of numerous books on parenting, and you co-founded. Uh, with Jim Fay, the Love and Logic Institute, okay, and you're, you're pretty well known for your advice on parenting, especially as it comes uh, to, you know, troubled teens or troubled children, and uh, I know that you're getting some top-rated rankings on your books. So I wanted to get your opinion on what's going out in the world, but let me ask you, where did you come up with helicopter parent? We're trying to use terms like helicopter parent, drill sergeant parent, consultant, that give an idea of exactly what we're talking about. And, of course, helicopter parents are people who hover, you know, they hover around their kids. And we just noticed, you know, there were so many hovering parents back in the late 80s and 90s, and it was getting worse. And we thought, how can we convey that, you know, the hovering aspect of overprotectiveness? And we just thought helicopter parents would be um, a great term. Now I understand it's made it into the dictionary, so that's quite surprising. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. Funny. Now let me ask, though, when you say helicopter parent, I always think that it's got a stigma attached to it, sort of negative, like you shouldn't be hovering over your kids. Do you find that parents are a little offended sometimes when you say that term? The people who hover and the, and the people who um, generally are overprotective of their kids are in general bright, caring, loving people. I mean, that's like 70% up the ladder of happiness right there, you know. They're general, the solid hovers are generally not the alcoholic, I could care less about my kid group. So they're usually bright, caring people, and they usually don't take offense. Yeah, parents who really are helicopter parents, do they realize that they are? Um, after it's pointed out, most of them do. A lot of them um, say, yeah, you know, I, I wish I wasn't that, so much that way. In fact, a lot of teachers will say, you know, I just wish I could treat my kids at home the way I treat my kids in the class. 
you know, because they're, they're less hovering and overprotective with the kids in the classroom, and they're more hovering and overprotective with their kids, and way down deep in their educator's heart, they know the way they're handling the class is correct, and their kid's giving them a hard time at school, at, at home, and they kind of have a feeling that they're doing something to promote that. Now, what do you think is the cause of this new phenomenon? Well, I think we live in a massively overprotective environment. I mean, we live in an environment where when things go wrong, someone's supposed to get you out of it. And it doesn't matter whether you build below sea level or you don't clear your land in case of a forest fire or you're a bank and you make really bad loans. In America right now, most people can say, geez, I'm in trouble. Who's going to fix this for me? And that's the way America has come to operate. You know, interesting point, and, and I'm going to ask a question here in a moment, but I think I need to remind everyone that I have three children. Um, with my first one, maybe until he was about two years old, I think I was probably a helicopter parent. I was, you know, worried that he was going to die every second. Um, wasn't so much with my second. And quite frankly, I'm not sure how my third one has grown up. She doesn't even have as many pictures on the wall. Um, so it may be something you get with age. But what is so wrong, to play devil's advocate, uh, for a parent really just watching out for their kid? You know, what damage does it do? Really, if a parent doesn't watch out for a toddler and, and do some things that protect them from running in the street or whatever it is, the, the child will die. The problem is that the things that keep the kid alive when they're small kill them when they're an adolescent. That's the problem. So if you have a very, very protective parent, uh, a little toddler and, a, and an infant needs that and would die without it. But when you have an adolescent who thinks, geez, no matter what I get into or no matter what problem I have, my parent will look out for me and pull me out of it. Then you raise a child who takes all kinds of risks because way back in the back of their mind, they know their parent will pull them out of whatever difficulty they get into, just like our banks know. You're talking to a group of parents who are out there. You know, we got to fight for our kids because nobody else looks after them. You know, I mean, I even hear that in school. My, my little daughter's getting bullied, and I, like, I was, Charlie, I was going to go in there and go, get that other kid out of that classroom. I'm pulling my daughter out of the school. I got really heated, and then I thought, whoa, back off, Mama, because you got to, she's got to fight her own fights. This is what the real world is about on right. some level. There's a, there's a rule that if, if our child is in a difficult position and the child knows they can't handle it, and the child knows that we know they can't handle it, and we know that they know that we know they can't handle it, then you've got to help them out. In other words, there's, you know, there is a place for charity and helpfulness. And if a kid is in a situation where they honestly can't cope, then parents need to help them out. The issue is my child has a 30% chance of coping with the situation and growing from it, I'm, I'm not going to rob them of that opportunity. Wow. And then if they prove they can't do it or they can't cope with the situation, then if it's a life-threatening or life-and-limb situation or a pretty serious situation, I'll step in. But every time you rescue a child, what you're saying to the child is you can't handle the issue on the bus or you can't handle the issue in that classroom or you can't handle those other kids or you can't handle using your own money wisely, or you can't handle deciding about when to go to bed or make your chore, whatever, whatever the issue is, rescue says, I understand you can't handle it. Interesting. And, and most kids will 
most people, adults or whoever, will buy into that message. You know, let me ask, because we're, we're running short on time here. We talked about why it's bad for kids to have a helicopter parent. But why do you think it's bad for parents in their own lives? Oh, my gosh. Because, you know, every business school teaches, how do you get the monkey off your back? See, now when a business school talks about, they're not talking about the kid being a monkey. They're talking about problems. But the issue is that, when, that, that God gives most of us 70 years and, to take care of ourselves and has always sort of felt that's a full-time job, you know. So when I have a kid out there who copes, knows how to handle things, doesn't need rescuing in all kinds of situations, my job as a parent is really much easier. And I will tell you the solid helicopter parents live a life of hell in those years sometimes before the kid leaves home because the kid's in all kinds of trouble, the kid's sitting around home, and they're not doing their job, the parents have put up with their, the kid being negative to them and not being respectful, and life can be hell for a helicopter parent when the kid gets to be a teenager. Gosh, parenting is kind of rough and hard and difficult to figure out. It isn't. That's the sad thing. The thing that love and life, it's not hard. I mean, I just... You know, it used to be bad when the kids could die of tuberculosis and they had died of appendicitis and the Indians cut them down. It, parenting, if you do it correctly, and I can say this after having seven kids fill through our home, if you do it correctly and you have the right attitude, it's like any job. The right skills and tools make it easy. So if I'm changing the oil on my wife's car, I say, you know, they don't make these new cars like the old cars. It was really easier on the old cars, you know. These new cars are really hard. This this day and age, changing oil on a car is not easy, you know. But I take it down to Jiffy Lube, and they get it done in 10 minutes because they know what they're doing. And parenting is exactly the same way. And that's not to say there aren't hard times, and that's not to say there's not difficult kids. But it's to say that if you have the right skills, tools, and techniques, it's much, much, much easier. And the nice thing about Love and Logic, if I could put a plug in on that, it doesn't tell parents, you know, in a general way what to do. It always gives the exact words the parents need to use that generally work with most kids most of the time. The point is that by the time they get to be an adolescent, they can really be, it's like being around a friend, and parents can just feel sad when their kid goes off to college because they miss their company. That's, Interesting. You know, that's the way it should be, and that's the way it can be, but it has to be started out right when the kids are small. All right. Well, Doctor, I thank you so much for your time today. I want to send everyone to loveandlogic.com and have them look at the resources that you offer so that we can get these tools to help us. Um, and I want to encourage everyone to post on our Facebook page. Go there and tell us your best story of when you resisted the urge to be a helicopter parent, when you were able to let your kids sort of fall on their own and what happened. Let us know that. When we come back here on The Good Life, we're going to shake it up a little bit more. We have a Annette Leroux coming on, and she actually is on the complete opposite side of you, Dr. Klein. She actually thinks we should be helicopter parents. We should be giving our children every advantage that they possibly can have. And oh, coming up, good. <laughs> we're getting good. And after her, we have Ronald uh, Alsop, and he's going to talk to us about the workplace and what happens when a kid comes in who's been in a helicopter parent relationship. So there's a lot more coming up on this heated debate on The Good Life. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank you.
If you're one of the millions of people who have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or are overweight, don't join the club. It's time to leave that club. Heart Factors Plus is an all-natural supplement with ingredients proven to help lower blood pressure, cholesterol, improve blood flow, and even improve your sex life. Here is what Heart Factors users say. Hi, this is John from New Jersey, and I'm 42 years old, and I ordered your bottle of Heart Factors because of my high blood pressure. Last spring, it was 134 over 93. Now my blood pressure is 120 over 82, and the doctor got me off the medication. This stuff is really good and without any side effects. John dropped his blood pressure over 10 points and without the medication side effects. See if Heart Factors will work for you. Try it now free for a full 30 days. Call 800-240-6536. 800-240-6536. If Heart Factors doesn't work for you, you never pay. It's that easy. Call now and get your 30-day trial. 800-240-6536. 800-240-6536. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to The Good Life with Forbes, Riley, and Charlie, where you receive a healthy dose of information you need with some fun. Now, back to the show. So you're listening to The Good Life with Charlie Fusco and Forbes, Riley. And Forbes, I, I every time we speak to somebody, I'm kind of on a different side of the fence here on this whole how much a part of our kids' decision-making process we should be. Well, I got to tell you, I'm kind of like the guy who's got seven kids pretty hands-off, so I'm excited to hear our next, you know, our next guest because I think it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm on the fence, too. Yeah, absolutely. Our next guest is Professor Annette Leroux. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, now, Professor Leroux, you're a sociologist, and you uh, are with the University of Pennsylvania, and you've been credited with the creation of a term called concerted cultivation. You've just authored a book called Home Advantage, Social Class and Parental Intervention in Elementary Education. Tell me, in a nutshell, what is it that you're advocating in this concerted cultivation? Concerted cultivation means the middle-class parents, they saw their children as a project. So they were actively intending to foster the development of their talents and skills. So many middle-class parents told me, I don't want him to be Mozart, but I want him to be exposed to piano lessons. The children had many organized activities that kept them very busy. You know, it's funny because my son asked me an interesting question. He's about five years old, and he said, Mom, how come all the, all the guys on the basketball player are dark? And I said, you know, I actually don't know. I don't know quite what that means in terms of athletic ability, but I also know because I grew up in New York City that a lot of my friends who lived in neighborhoods played basketball all the time. Like that was the only activity they could do. And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. Not really scheduled, but all my friends were outside. We're always going down and playing the hoops. But I thought maybe that has something to do with it. What do you think? Well, I think that um, the idea, the, the working class kids that I followed around played outside their home, the white kids and the black kids did, and they just hung out. They played basketball, they rode their their bikes, they played with people. They'd be on, gone, they would gone, be gone for hours. And the middle class kids, they didn't do that. If they played outside, it was a brief, it was a brief episode between organized activities. And they were very likely to proclaim themselves being bored, and they would say, Mom, I'm bored, as if it's mom's job to fix it. And the working class kids, they wouldn't have a single organized activity all weekend, and we never heard them complain about being bored. That's me. My daughter Ava is bored all the time. Charlie, I outlawed that word. I actually said, if you say the word bored, you owe me a dollar. And by the way, the funny thing was it came back to me. I think I said the other day, I'm like, man, I'm kind of bored. My daughter's like, 
that's a buck, mom. That's funny. But it just, you, you just hit it on the, uh, the head for me, Professor Leroux, is that my daughter has something scheduled almost every other day, if not every day, between ballet and horseback riding and karate and piano lessons and guitar lessons. All my kids have stuff because they like to do stuff. But, you know, if we're in the car driving 10 minutes and we're not doing something, she's bored. So maybe that means she needs some more downtime. Uh, well, I can just tell you that the working class and poor kids we studied did not have any organized activities. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes they wanted them, but they did not have the same notion of per, their parental parents had a duty to entertain them. And that's a notion that we saw very commonly in the middle class parents that I describe in the book Unequal Childhoods. And I describe these different children and show what happened during the day. And in those families, the calendar was really the heart of the home. The calendar was the central organizing feature of these middle-class families, and that was not the case in the working-class families. Interesting perspective. Professor Leroux, thanks so much for joining us today. I know you've got to run to another meeting, so I want to thanks for giving us your time here. And um, we are about to talk with Ronald Alsop next, and he's going to talk to us about trophy kids and what happens when we overschedule our kids right into their first job. Forbes, you won't believe it. He says that there's actually kids in the world that when they go to get a job, the employer gives their parents like a take-home packet so their parents can negotiate their kids' work contract. So this to me seems like a fairy tale. We're going to get Ron on the phone in just a minute. He's a freelance writer and an editor. He's an author of over eight books, and his latest is The Trophy Kids Grow Up. He's been everywhere from CBS Evening News, The Huffington Post, New York Times, Atlantic Magazine. Apparently everyone is interested in this topic, and um, we really need to get to the bottom of this. So let me introduce Ron right now. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm shocked that you can actually write a book on this topic and people will read it because it must mean that it's a real thing. It's a very real thing. Uh, in terms of helicopter parents, um, as you said earlier, you would think that once they go off to college, you won't see them until they at least graduate much, and uh, it's, it's the exact opposite. This is a generation that stays connected to their parents well into their uh, adult years. So me over-mothering my nine-year-olds now should pretty much stop. I should kick them out immediately and go, fend for yourselves. I'm afraid you're going to never leave. You don't have to kick them out, but it would be nice if you let them make decisions on their own and make some mistakes along the way. So let me ask you, because I, I own a company with um, about 150 employees, and a lot of them are younger you know, uh, on the younger sale, I can say right. that now because I'm older. I don't know when that happened. But um, I have never had a parent come in and say, hey, I want you to give my kid a better paycheck or I want them to have different benefits. I have had one or two people that have turned down the opportunity because they said, my mother says I'm worth more than you're offering. Oh, no, you have not. I really? did. I did. The girl still is a waitress where I, I asked this waitress once. She did a great job waiting on me. And I said, hey, come and interview for your job. I think I could make you a great production assistant. And she did. And then she came back and said, my mother says you're not offering as much as I'm worth. Um, she still waits on my tables. But uh, I just I'm I'm shocked. And in your mind, Ron, are you seen employers actually put up with this? Well, I don't know if they're putting up with it, but they're certainly facing it. The most extreme cases I found was a company uh, in the rental car industry that actually let let parents listen in on the telephone when they made a job offer to a young person. Um, they weren't supposed to talk, but still, I thought that was about as close to intrusiveness as I found. Now, certainly a lot of parents ask for things that companies don't grant. They'd like to be able to sit in on job interviews, believe it or not. 
I do hear the occasional story from companies that a manager gets a, a negative call from a parent who doesn't like their child's performance review. So these things are happening. They're not happening a lot, but they've never happened before is what makes it so striking. When you say millennium parents, are we defining the Generation Y? Pretty much the same, yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll the, define this differently, but they pretty <laughs> much are the same Y in millennials. And basically, we're talking about young people born in the 80s and 90s. You know, I call them Generation Y bother because every time I interview them, they have such a arrogant attitude of entitlement that um, listening to you think that they now they have their parents calling is it's angering to me coming from a place where I would have never asked my parents permission or you know help to get me out of a work related problem. Well, wait a second, because, you know, I'm the same way. I left home at 17 years of age, went off to college, then moved to New York City, kind of fended for myself and never went home ever. But I'm now looking at my two nine-year-olds, and now that I'm a mom, I'm not so sure how I feel. So, where are you, Charlie, where are you on this fence? I'm pretty hardcore. I think that, you know what, and, and this is maybe, Ron, jump in here, and I'd love to know where you stand. But if I have to go defend my kid at the workplace, then he wasn't doing a good job. Right. If he was doing a great job, right. why would I have to defend him? And exactly. that's my point. And if I if he can't get a job on his own, then what am I doing wrong prepping him? Or maybe he needs to go take an interview prep class or I just kind of feel like at what point do does my responsibility to prep him? And if we don't, why should he get a leg up? Cause right. And it really needs to happen long before the workplace. It should start happening when they are in uh, middle school, high school. That You should start letting them be more independent. Um, one of the biggest criticisms I hear from employers about this generation is that they don't think independently. They can't make decisions easily. And the employers tend to blame that on the parents for not letting them uh, make more of their choices through life instead of planning their lives for them. What inspired you to write this book? You know what started it was I actually, when I was working at the Wall Street Journal, I wrote a column about how Millennials were arriving in MBA programs and how shaken up the people there were because they were such a demanding generation, among other things. So I did a column where I interviewed some corporate recruiters as well as people in uh, business schools. And after that column ran, I got so much email from all kinds of people, parents, uh, employers, uh, other university folks, that I decided – this is really a big issue. So I started doing more research and realized just how big an issue it is and how different this generation is from, from the past generations. And so it's evolved from that, but it really started with a column in the newspaper. Interesting. Let me ask you, what uh, tips do you give parents out there to maybe even first assess if you're too hands-on? And if you know you're too hands-on and you want to sort of break away, you know, what are some hard and fast tips you can give them? It would probably do most parents good to think back on what their lives were like as children and adolescents and how their parents interacted with them. Because I think in most cases, they would probably find less extreme behavior, less extreme involvement. And I think that would be a start just to think back and, and maybe if they weren't happy with their parents' involvement, think about how they could improve on that. But without carrying it to such a degree as helicopter parenting, um, to determine if you are a helicopter parent, well, I think you could ask yourself some basic questions. For example, do I let my child make decisions? Um, do I let them choose their classes? I remember interviewing one millennial parent who said that her son was in college and she would go over all his courses with him over the telephone and make sure he picked the right ones. 
And I just found that pretty incredible. I mean, I just think anybody step back and say, how could that be good for a child? Uh, they should be making their own decisions at this point. Uh, they're in a good college. They obviously have intelligence. And now they need to have the confidence to make these important choices for themselves. So I think that you just have to, st you have to look at how involved am I in their lives. Think about how often do I interfere or get involved in things that are really my child's business. Uh, uh, so I think you just sort of have to look at what you're doing now and say, could I be doing these things differently and better for my child's future? Well, you know, we have a lot more coming up on this show, and I want to point out to our listeners, if you go to our Facebook page right now and just comment, agree or disagree on what Ron said and his book, um, should you be um, really involved in getting your kids ahead in life, or should you allow your kids to potentially, you know, mess up and have to start again? No comment is good or bad, but uh, with a winning comment, we're going to look at it, and the one that gives us the most insight is going to get a copy of Ron Alsop's book, The Trophy Kids Grow Up. When we come back, we're going to be talking to our listeners, parents who are on either side of the fence of this issue, so stay with us here on The Good Life. We'll be right back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Ladies, if you are worried about fine lines and wrinkles on your face and would like to get rid of them, then let me tell you about Esotique, the amazing all-natural collagen builder from Chamonix. Esotique is packed with pure antioxidants and natural collagen builders, so it doesn't hide wrinkles like other products. It effectively treats wrinkles, so your skin will be younger, healthier, and softer than ever before. And now is the perfect time to try Esotique, because for a limited time, you can try it free for 30 days. That's right. This incredible skincare is yours to try free at home for a whole month. Call 800-731-1085. 800-731-1085. And just pay shipping today. But wait, call in the next 20 minutes and Chamonix will include not one, but two free gifts. You will get their amazing vitamin C serum and their luxurious neck treatment absolutely free with your order. Don't miss out on this incredible free trial offer. Call now, 800-731-1085. 800-731-1085. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Good Life with Forbes, Riley, and Charlie, where you receive a healthy dose of information you need with some fun. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Good Life, and I am positive that everyone is still with us because it's been a pretty explosive hour. We have talked about a very sensitive subject, parenting, good or bad, helicopter, fly or land. Well, do you and know what's interesting is our Twitter is lighting up, our Facebook is lighting up. This apparently has ignited a lot of people at their core. And very interesting because we're getting both comments from both sides. Absolutely. And I want to squeeze in one more interview. And this is important because whether you're a helicopter parent or you're apparently a overly negligent one, like I've decided I am after this interview, what happens if you have a teen that you're just not getting along with? So regardless of what kind of parenting you're doing, you can't can't seem to break through. What happens then? Well, we have teen coach Tammy on the line. This is Tammy P Potowski. Did I say that right, Tammy? You did, Potowski. Well, you specialize in this problem that I think a lot of our listeners would uh, cope to having, which is a difficult teen and coaching them through. Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I work with both teens and parents. 
um, you know, when working with teens and parents, we work a great deal on communication. Respect is also a key element for teens. They really want respect, and oftentimes they don't feel that parents show them that respect that they really want to see. Well, you know, that's an interesting question, but do you think that a kid actually generates their own level of respect by the way they behave? They can. They can. That can definitely be a two-way street. Um, if the child is not showing respect, then it makes it very difficult for other people to show respect. And you can see great examples of that in the school systems. You may have a great teacher, but if the student comes in with a chip on their shoulder or an attitude, the, the teacher and the other students may not respect that child um, and feel that they have anything worth contributing. Uh, so it's really important to show that respect, you know, both ways you know, give and take. Well, you know, that's interesting. I, again, I you say when you think back about how you were raised, I don't remember ever disagreeing with my parents openly. It just wasn't allowed. Um, maybe once in a while they'd let me have a conversation or an opinion about something, but we didn't really have a lot of discussion. Um, these days, it seems like the kids in general, and especially as they become teenagers, are allowed to debate with their parents a lot. Do you, and, and I actually can see me becoming that kind of a parent where I let my kids have an opinion and debate and see if they can win. Do you think that's good, healthy? Uh, absolutely. I, I think that's great. I, I do think that, and I agree completely with you, that when we were kids, we didn't question, uh, we did not engage in conversations the way that, that we do as parents now. I know even with, with my own kids, um, you know, we, we want to give them the experience of being able to have a conversation with adults. So we want them to be able to go out in the world and be successful. But unless we give them the opportunity to practice these life skills, then they're not going to, to be successful at it. Well, I'm a little bit confused, though, because you're advocating in some respects saying, hey, yeah, your, your kids should have an opinion. They should be able to, you know, dialogue with you. You should be that involved, which would go towards becoming very involved and thus a helicopter parent, but at the same time you're saying our kids have to make our own decisions. So how do you stop yourself from becoming a full-fledged fighter pilot helicopter parent as to maybe one that sort of sits on the landing strip? And that, that, that's a great distinction between the two. Um, and, and what I would say about that is I, I do believe that kids need to be able to feel comfortable and confident to, in a respectful manner, get their opinions across and give their input. But at the same time, the parent has to be able to find that balance. We know our kids. We know the world around us. We know what our kids are, are heading into. But it's important as a parent for us to set boundaries and to also be able to know uh, when our children are pushing too hard. We need to not get so involved that we're taking action for our children then we're able to, to do that much better without becoming uh, that hovering parent. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm still sitting here. I've got nine-year-olds, and I'm wondering, you know, as all of our listeners are, as, you know, if you've got young children, what we're getting into here and how we navigate this. The problem is you really only know what you did by the time they're teenagers. They've already been programmed, and they're doing it. So what advice would you give for moms of little kids right now in today's world? It depends on their age level. If you're if you're talking young children, you know when our kids are young, that's our job. Our job is to be involved in their lives, make sure that they're safe, you know, and, and take care of their needs. But as they grow older, you know, going from middle school on up, at that point, then we have to really check our involvement. 
we need to be able to say, okay, is this something that my child can and should be doing for themselves? And, and that's, I think, one, one of the, the biggest tips that parents need to know is to be looking at it in a sense of, is this something that my child can or should be doing themselves? I know that you spent a lot of time coaching teens. And in fact, I wanted to actually uh, extend to our audience that, uh, again, go to our Facebook page and tell us why you're having trouble with your teen. Um, you can do it anonymously. You can post it right on there. What's the problem you're having with your teen? Because uh, Tammy here is giving away a free coaching session. Talk to us, uh, Tammy, about what happens in a coaching session with a teen or a parent and how helpful is it? Sure. It's very helpful, depending who I'm working on, whether it's a, a teen or a parent. My job as a, as a coach is to actually get in there and, and help them be able to talk to each other, open up the lines of communication, break down those barriers, uh, and really get to the heart of the matter. Now, it doesn't always happen. Well, it does not usually happen in, in one session. But over time, you build that trust with each other. And then you're able to continue communicating. Um, and this is my personal opinion. And what I've found through parenting and through working with parents and with teens is, you know, you can't parent every child the same. I know right. for myself, I can't parent my oldest the way I parent my other two. It was just completely different. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, if you want to find out more information about if your teen or yourself can benefit from a coaching session, visit teencoachtammy.com. Go to our Facebook page and tell us the trouble you're having with your teen, what advice you need, and you could win a free coaching session from Tammy Pukowski. Thanks so much for being on the program today. I appreciate your insight. Thanks we for inviting me. Thanks so much, and good luck with your three little ones. Thanks, and you too. All right, so if you've been listening uh, the entire program, I know that you've got a lot of ideas and things to think about when it comes to parenting and, and what we can do to improve ourselves. If you've missed any portion of it, I truly think you need to download it and listen to all of our guests because whether you agreed with them or not, they all made us think. Um, we also had a lot of freebies on this uh, week's show. We've got two books being given away and we've got a free coaching session if you've got a teen. So make sure you're engaging with us on our Facebook page, The Good Life, and uh, visit The Good Life Radio show.com because all of our guests are on there. There are links, um, things coming up next week, and uh, you can even sign up for our newsletter and freebies on there. So uh, very excited for this week's show to you know reach everyone that it's reaching. Join us next week, everyone, here for more tips on how to live that good life. Have my joy. Thank you again for tuning in to The Good Life with Forbes Riley and Charlie. Make sure you join Forbes Riley and Charlie Fusco again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, have an exciting week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.